so I told you last week that there would be a test, and it's a one-question test, and it's pass or fail. What is the boiling point of water? You're not very confident, but you pass. That's all right. So we're, we're in a series titled Life at the Boiling Point, and we're using the image of when water is heated to 212 degrees Fahrenheit that it goes through a phase change. That it, change, that it changes from, from liquid to gas. And so we're talking about how when, when our spiritual temperature is raised, we also go through a change, a character change, life transformation. And we're also talking about disciplines, spiritual disciplines, if you want to call that, but things that you can do um, that serve as heating elements that raise our spiritual temperature. So... Life change, character transformation is not about <clears throat> being passive, about closing your eyes and saying, God, please change me. I think that's an important part of it. But you have to act. You have to act. God works in our working. God works in our working. And remember that we're talking about disciplines, but not disciplines in like... You just do these steps and then your life will change. We're not talking about just doing things on the surface of your life, but we're actually talking about character change, like who you are deep inside and what you value. And so we're not talking about doing something so that it just becomes a thing that you do, but it actually kind of comes out of who you are. And gratitude is one of those disciplines, and I want to talk to you about it today. So what is gratitude? Gratitude is <clears throat> tracing the river of blessing all the way to its source and saying thank you all along the way. That's what gratitude is. Gratitude is tracing the river of blessing all the way to its source and then saying thank you all along the way. In that picture... It's that all of this unearned good comes to you. And gratitude is not just being thankful for, for what comes to you, but the channel through which it came. So, I am thankful that I can pay my bills. Why do I have money to pay my bills? I have a job. So there's... I can pay my bills, I have money, I have a job, and how did I get that job? Somebody interviewed me and gave me a chance. And why did I even have a chance? I had a chance because I was able to be educated. And why could I be educated? Because men and women spent their entire life, their one and only life, being educators to educate me. And either you got a scholarship or you worked your way through school or you're still paying it off, but at least you could pay for it. And then how, then as they are educating you, who's taking care of you? Your mom and dad, your, your grandparents, aunts, uncles, okay? And then how did you even come into their life? Well, mom and dad had some say, right? But even before then, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. So, so as you see, gratitude is about, is realizing that before you were even born, the river was already coming towards you. And gratitude is not just about the, the thing in your life, the, the one thing in your life. 
It's the whole source. It's tracing it all the way upriver to the fount of all blessings, who is God. That's what gratitude is. But here's the tricky thing about gratitude, because it can just never be straightforward, right? Is that a person can say thanks and still be ungrateful. A person can still say thanks and be ungrateful. Your kid wants this something. It's just something. They just want something. It doesn't matter if it's a piece of junk or not. They just they want something. But, but you decide to get them this, this thing that they, that they want. And so you finally give it to them. And they rip it out of the box. And they say, wow, look at it. It's so amazing. I love this. I've, I've worshipped. I've dreamed about this. I, I'm going to give it a name. And look at the computing power. And the, and the graphics is just wonderful. I love my iPad. Thank you so much. And then they use the iPad and just don't even talk to you anymore. So, so gratitude is not just about the gift, but it, but it includes the giver. And so when we only thank... If we're only thankful for our money or that we can pay our bills, but we don't give thanks upstream, then our gratitude is falling short of what it really could be. Gratitude is an act. Now, you can have a feeling of gratitude, of course, but the first and foremost, it is a discipline. It is a discipline you're called to embrace whether you feel thankful at the time or not. Now sure, best case scenario, some good comes into your life and your heart is effusive with praise and thanksgiving where endorphins just rush out of your brain into the arms of heaven, right? But normal life says that you're not going to feel buoyant, you're not going to feel happy, you're not going to feel celebratory, and yet you're called to do the discipline. Now, you might say, wait, so God wants me to do something even though deep inside I'm not thankful. Isn't that being hypocritical? No. When you practice a discipline, even when your heart is contrary, you're not pretending, you're persevering. Okay. If you only prayed when you felt like praying, when would you pray? And if you only give thanks and gratitude when you feel like it, then when would you do it? So that's why it's a discipline. And this is why I think that it's a command and that there's so many commands, like, do this virtuous thing. God knows that our feelings are going to fluctuate. And yet He calls us to do the discipline. And He knows that if you keep them, even when you don't feel like it, then grace is going to meet you there, even when you're emotionally flat or emotionally down. And that discipline, in this case gratitude, it might not dramatically change you then and there on the spot, but it will change you over the course of your life as God works and are working. And then as you practice that and He humbles you, and then another good comes into your life, eventually you are able to say, I am, oh my goodness, I can trace this all the way back to the source. I am so, I do not deserve this good that's come into my life. So that's kind of the long way to say, I'm talking about gratitude today. And there's a lot to it. Verse 3, the psalmist says, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. The, the psalmist says that there's two things that should prompt us to become 
people who practice gratitude. He created us, and we're the sheep of His pasture. He created us. He gave us life. So part of gratitude is becoming aware of an unearned good in your life. And life itself is the greatest example of the abundant blessing that we get from God. Unearned. Like you didn't even have a choice. You're just kind of like, here you are. Here I am, world. Right? It is unearned. Life was given to you. But not just your life. All of life. And God not only gives life, but He gives it abundantly in nature. With such diversity that it boggles the mind. Think about this. God could have given us one kind of flower. Right? Instead, the Royal Botanic Gardens estimates that there are 350,000 species of flowering plants. God could have given us one kind of palm tree. Orange County has like seven. I always see the same seven, right? There's 2,600 species of palm trees. 10,000 species of birds. Could have given us one kind of fish. There's 30,000 species. Could you imagine eating catfish for sushi? Aren't you glad there's more? There's 950,000 species of insects. I don't know if that's an unearned good, but we'll just leave it at that, right? But God gave you life. God gave you life. He didn't just give the world life. He gave you life. And think about what you had been missing out on otherwise. And that God has sustained you in a, in a million ways over thousands and thousands of days. Thought experiment here. Think of how old you are. All right, stop lying. Just think. All right, just think how old you are. Divide that by three. Just estimates, fine. Divide your age by three. Multiply that number by 1,000. That's how many days, roundabout, God is taking care of you. And I want to just ask you a question. Is your life not watered by the river of blessing? Is it not? <clears throat> but you and I, we spend so much of our time looking at what's not there. Right now, before you came, or earlier this week, you had a time in your life, this past week, where you were kind of discontent about what's not in your life. And we worry that there's going to be enough. Or we're anxious. But a million ways over thousands and thousands of days, God is taking care of you. And gratitude is not about focusing on what's not there. But it's a discipline that allows us to become conscious of what is there. That your life is abundantly overflowing with the blessings of God. And once again, our gratitude falls short. I'll say it positively. How's that? Our gratitude has a better and fuller expression when we trace it all the way back up to the fount of blessing and don't stop until we get there. And God's abundant heart pours out life 
on the face of the earth and in the soul of man. And we're to have gratitude for God being a God of life. But here's something more. God not only made us, but He made us His. Verse 3. It is He who made us, and we are His. God only not, not only made you, but He made you His. And He not only gives life, He gives you new life. We are the sheep of His pasture. He is the one that's taken full responsibility, both in this life and the life to come. He gives you life and new life. And He gives us new life through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 10, Jesus talks about this abundant life. In John chapter 10, Jesus describes this kind of anti-God impulse that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. It takes, it keeps, it hoards. Just tries to make sure that no one else has it. Jesus says, in contrast to that, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus didn't come to, to hoard the knowledge and experience of divine love and life, but He came to be a distribution point so that you could have new life and to have it abundantly. The love of God and love that is like God's, it's always outgoing, it's always outflowing, it's never an end to itself. And the love and life of God is never turned in on itself as an end. But it always faces outward to include, to bring in, to bless, and to give life. But you and I, it seems like we're naturally predisposed to distrust these very things about God. In church, it sounds like, yeah, right on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say amen or anything, but I agree, right? But then you get out in the real world and real life hits you, and, and we just practically act as if this is not true myself included. And here's the thing. We think that God is not good, and we think that God is stingy. But the story of Scripture is always trying to convince us otherwise. And the very first pages of Scripture tells us of the abundance of God's creativity, intellect, and blessing. Listen to this. He gives the sun for light and heat. He gives water for life. Rain for replenishing. He gives the ground for cultivation of life. He doesn't create our sky just to be blank. He's like, you know what I like? I really like clouds. We're just going to fill the sky with clouds and birds. I'm a fan of birds too. He could have just let it be blank, right? He didn't create our ocean, seas, streams, and rivers just, just for water. But he says, you know what? I think I'm going to fill that with life too. Isn't that amazing? And then he creates man and woman. And he just doesn't create us like as an as a empty container. You know, just flesh and bone and tendons and organs and ligaments and all of that stuff. But he says, you know what? I'm going to fill man up also. So he breathed life into us. He gave us a soul. He gave us consciousness of self. God is always breathing out of himself, giving out of himself, and filling us up. And then he created a garden. And in that garden, there weren't just like two trees, the trees that we think about. We read this. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The garden was not stripped bare with a tree of life over here and the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil over here. And there's a binary choice like either or. There were hundreds, thousands of trees that were pleasant to look at as they flowered. 
filling the mind with wonder at the cleverness of God, that as the tree would flower, that it would look good and it would smell good to us, but it would be food for other creatures. But if left alone, it would eventually become food for us. There was no lack. It was good to eat. There was abundance. And then as a matter of fact, there is the river of blessing. We read this, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. This is the source of life. Unearned good. Earn, unearned good. Adam and Eve, right there beside it. Seeing it all happen. And then out of nowhere, this thought comes up. And it's a thought that echoes in all of our hearts. I don't know if I can trust God to give me enough. I think his hands are closed. I think God is stingy. I want you to think about the conflicting idea here. They are in a garden, teeming with life. They go swimming in the river of abundance. And yet they say, not enough. Focusing on what's not there. And counter to the not enough echo that's in all of our hearts, Scripture points out to the abundance of God and all of the good that He gives beyond the Garden of Eden. And that message of Scripture, the whole message of Scripture, counters our hearts. When Israel was in the wilderness, they're hungry, scared, thirsty. And what does God give them? He gives them water from a rock that flowed like a river. When Joel spoke of what God would do through the Messiah, he said that 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 age of blessing would be like a fountain out of the house of the Lord. Ezekiel, the prophet, he saw the results of people who spent their lives saying, God, not enough. They're broken, they're battered. But then Ezekiel sees how they would be renewed in a vision. He sees water flowing from the house of God. Another river flowing from the house of God. It was a river of blessing. But that something unique about this river, though, it deepens and it widens in its onward progress. And what would a flash flood do? You would think it would leave destruction, but Ezekiel sees that in its wake is life coming from the house of God. And then the psalmist in Psalm 36 says this. It's a remarkable, stirring truth for those who have their faces turned toward God. Listen to this. They feast, they feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your delights. With you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. The scriptures begin with the river of life in abundance. And the scriptures end with the river of life in abundance. In the book of Revelation, as all of Holy Scripture is coming to a close... The calamity of war, the discord of nations has ceased. All is well. There is no war. There is no disease. The earth is spinning silently, but jubilantly, with peace, wholeness, unity. And in verse 1 of chapter 22, we read this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It's just so beautiful. Wherever there's refreshment, 
peace, reconciliation, justice, generosity, all of that is coming from the very throne of God, from the house of God, from God's own heart, and it flows out of Him to us. It's amazing. So the call of gratitude is to embrace life with God and to notice these unearned good in your life and then trace it all the way back up to God and just to say thank you over and over and over again. But the call is not to just receive it for yourself. It's not for you to be an end of yourself. To be a worshiper of God, to be a follower of Jesus, means to have your heart shaped by the heart of God. And what is God's heart? God's heart is always outflowing and it's always outpouring. So it can't. So that means that if if we're going to have that kind of life, then uh, and embrace that kind of life with God, then we have to live that kind of life. You can't keep it for yourself. You can't keep hoarding, never giving. That is the anti-God impulse that Jesus talks about in John 10. Verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. That as you've received life and love from God, that you're going to serve Him. And we serve the Lord by giving life and love to others. By cultivating life. And how is this possible? Once again, disciplines are not about what you do on the surface. It's about eventually God giving you the desire and changing your desires deep within you. So this means that God has to change our hearts. So how is this even possible? In John chapter 7, Jesus says this, He who believes in me from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Do you see that, that the abundance of God is not just in heaven and it's not just out there, but, but as you engage with Jesus by faith and as you kind of have your life molded by Him, that eventually it just kind of fills you up and changes you from the inside and then it just kind of pours out. It's this radical change of our heart. It changes us deep within. So therefore, therefore the life that we live is no longer about taking and hoarding and gaining and just... Just, just saving and saving and saving and never giving. But it will be marked by giving hospitality, by giving generosity, uh, gen- generously. And not just by praying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, heaven eventually. But it's actually living a life shaped by that kingdom and doing it in the here and now. So let me close our time today by just saying this. Jesus Christ is the greatest unearned good that has ever flowed down to you from heaven. He is the water of life. He is from the fount of all blessing. And salvation, salvation is a great unearned good given to you by the love and abundance of God. And as you embrace Jesus and you learn from Him, your life can be changed into a life of gratitude. And so, this is not something that you do once. This is not something that you do twice, but this is a way of life followers of Jesus are called to embrace. I think I said several months ago, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. You might not be good at prayer. You might not be good at giving gratitude. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere.
So let's start. Just don't wait. Just, just notice. Have eyes to see, ears to hear. And then just trace it all the way back up to the river's source. God himself. So friends, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. But receive the love of God that will fill your heart up to overflowing. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I, it's, a, it's really a shame that, that we spend most of our life <clears throat> thinking about what's not there. And, and sometimes you do disallow and you do kind of with, withhold things that are good, but they're just not for us for some reason. And we just don't know how to deal with that sometimes. But I pray that you would help us to be people who talk about it and who pray to you and talk to you about it also. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the abundant good that is just overflowing in our life. That gratitude is, is not about income or sometimes even job quality, but, but it's really about life itself that you give to us. And so help us to encourage one another in this. Help us to be thankful, grateful people who would just keep in mind that if the gift is great, then the giver must be that much greater. So, God, the great giver, we love you and we thank you and we ask that you would shape our hearts into the shape of your heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's continue to worship by 